listening to the latest edition of the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops here and delighted that you're along as always. We've made our way to Thursday of this week, and we're glad to be with you for it as you celebrate it with us. I guess we're celebrating making it through the week, another day closer, hopefully, to normalcy. And with that, let's welcome in Jake Durant. He is our correspondent over at Local 3, the CBS affiliate Marquette, the sports guy there, and he's kind enough to lend us his time on Thursdays per usual. What's up, Jake? Hey man, uh, hanging in there, hanging in there. Obviously, uh, we're we're in a time where, you know, it's it's a very historical time. A lot of things are happening. You know, everyone is uh, doing their best to kind of um, educate themselves, or at least I hope so, about what's going on. And um, we're tr- I, I just I just hope people, you know, are are hoping or I'm not hoping. I, I'm I'm definitely wanting people to come together. Um, educate themselves on everything that's been happening these last, like over this last week, um, and really just try to understand where people are coming from, um, and and educate each other, talk to each other, have those discussions, and and let's come together for the greater good and try to find solutions to where um, we find you know justice, equality, um, you know uh, freedom, and everything, and and we can try to go into that direction where we're trying to. I obviously uh, get answers and figure out solutions to to just things that have been happening. I don't want to get too deep into it, but definitely, um, you know, just trying to sit back and um, take everything in and just educate myself and try to try to uh, gain a perspective on on everything that's been happening and and uh, look for ways to solve a lot of the issues that people are dealing with. How about you, Jake? How have you been spending the time here lately? As it seems like we're finally into summer, although I don't want to say that too loud because Mother Nature might hear us, and then we'll get some rain, maybe some snow here in June. But you gotten a chance to enjoy the weather outside? Definitely, man. Every time you know the sun's shining and we have some warm weather, um, I'm someone who loves to stay active. Uh, I go outside. I go for runs every day. I have a route, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of looking for a new a new mountain bike. I'm trying to get a kayak as well. Obviously, with everything, all the big events being canceled due to COVID-19 and things, um, I'm looking for ways to spend uh, spend summer staying active. So whether it be hiking, kayaking, biking, uh, I'm trying to do it in, in a safe manner, uh, safe manner. Obviously, still practicing, practicing social distancing. Um, I'm just looking to find ways to kind of, you know, salvage the summer a little bit. So um, anytime I get, I'm outside. I'm probably outside uh, most of the time when I'm not at work. Uh, you know, I, all morning I'm outside. I actually just got back from a run right before uh, coming on to the show. So I'm always outside, man. I love the sun. I love the warmth being up in the UP. Anytime, anytime you can get some warmth and sun, you want to soak it up. So um, enjoying today for sure. Today's a really nice day out. Well, you are part of the minority in that sense that <laughs> you're getting outside and being active and uh, making the best of our situation. And uh, shoot, I wish <laughs> I wish I had that kind of you know motivation. I'm doing my darndest to try to get out there. And actually, my my youngest dog from Iowa is well, he's coming up to hang out with me and uh, spend the next couple of months or so with me up here. So I'm looking forward to that, man. I'll have a reason to get outside and you know, have some company and everything, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but we do have actual sports to get into today, and a lot of it because the NBA Board of Governors, of course, a big day uh, as far as the restart plan for the upcoming, well, the finish of the regular season and then the playoffs. 22 teams are going to head to ESPN's Wide World of Sports in Orlando. What's that restart plan going to look like? Plus, we outlined yesterday some of the proposals as far as how do you compensate teams who earned home court advantage but aren't going to get that in the postseason? Jake and I are going to come up with some of our own ideas, our own possible uh, ways to implement the game. Plus, we're going to continue our breakout fake-out segment with running backs and wide receivers. Who's going to continue their breakout stretch this upcoming year and who is going to burn out? That is coming up over the course of the next hour here on ESPN-UP. But, Jake, the NBA is back. It is looking yes. like we are going to have live sports once again, and it's all going to happen around the same time. Hockey is going to come back around the, uh, July and into August, what have you. Basketball is going to come back here at the end of July. We think baseball will be here before we know it. And then football looks I, – I think we're going to start on time is what it's looking like for football, maybe without fans, albeit 
but man, basketball is going to happen again, and I'm just, I'm so excited for it. I'm excited to see how this all plays out, and just having live sports back, and man, it was shaping up to be such a fun NBA season that I cannot wait uh, for it to actually come. Yeah, man, when when everything got canceled, we were like in that point of the NBA season where we're just like, all right, can the playoffs get here already? You know, we're ready to see the Lakers and, and Clippers go at it for the battle battle of L.A. You know, a lot of people around the area, since the Pistons obviously aren't weren't doing too good in the last several years and had another bad season, you know, a lot of people were starting to kind of jump on that Milwaukee Bucks ban, bandwagon and could this be the Milwaukee Bucks year? And, and um, there was a lot of younger teams coming up and a lot, uh, there's a lot of uh, younger stars that were just budding into two really good players. And, uh, um, and obviously you had LeBron, kind of reclaiming his throne and and Luca bursting onto the scene and down in Dallas and and just uh w- just showing he's going to be another great European player for the league for for many a years and that Dallas you know hit a home run with that um there's just so many storylines in the NBA and the NBA has always been about storylines and it's one of the more dramatic leagues the players have a lot more um say at, on how things work and there's a lot more you know uh back and forth between players and things like that and and it's 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 almost like more like a wwe type of narrative but like you know people especially with social media you know you're following like players who have beef with each other or you know people just talking smack online and it's just so fun and that's what makes the nba so great it's a star-driven league and and uh you know it's 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 what makes the nba so unique and i'm so excited because yes we just had to deal with several months without sports it was horrible it seems like a lifetime but now we're going to, in what what should be the dead period of sports, and then right in the middle of summer, now we get to have all of these leagues come back and, and be playing um, in, in a time where usually there is no sports. And now we're going to get to see leagues go up against one, each other, one another. You know, the NBA playoffs might be ending in October when the NFL is kicking off. How is that going to look? What are ratings and things going to be like for that? Um, and, and then obviously with the sports returning, it's going to look completely different than what we're normal. Uh, normally used to seeing so now there's a little bit added kind of like interest where it's like okay now how's this going to look like what's it going to look like how is things going to play out um you know we'll talk about it in a little bit about the nba and stuff uh but with just the nba how is how is it going to look like it look how is it going to look without fans in the stands uh at a neutral site um and things like that so i'm very excited i'm extremely excited about it and uh yeah it's going to be really interesting to see well, the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex down there at Walt Disney World, I, I shared a graphic of it on my Twitter page yesterday. It's a really fascinating place. They've got two basketball arenas, if you want to call them that. Maybe gymnasiums is probably a better word, but it's going to be like a summer league atmosphere. They're going to play multiple games in a day at two different sites there on the Walt Disney World campus in Orlando, Florida, and they're going to finish out, well, in abbreviated regular season, uh, everybody is going to play eight regular season games. That'll determine the final standings. So what they did, Jake, is they brought in all, all teams who were within six games of the last playoff spot in their respective conferences. So they have 13 teams coming from the Western Conference. Just one uh, that was outside the playoff picture in the East is going to make the trip. That would be the Washington Wizards. So nine Eastern Conference teams are coming. And, you know, there were some teams that had as many as 19 games left in the regular season when the season was put on pause. So now what they're looking at is if you have anybody that's within four games of the final playoff spot when their abbreviated regular season ends, then you're going to have a double elimination play-in series with that team and whoever currently occupies the eight spot. So that's the play-in round here before you get to the actual um, – traditional playoff format the NBA has. So the lower-seeded team, as long as they're within four games of that last playoff spot when the eight-game abbreviated finish for the regular season ends, they will get a double elimination play-in round, meaning that the team currently in the eight seed only has to win one game. The lower-seeded team has to win two in a row against that team in order to play in. So, man, it's a weird, funky format, but I've been saying it all along. There may be an asterisk next to whoever wins this year's championship, so embrace the asterisk. Uh, experiment, throw things against the wall, see if anything sticks. Right, and yeah, it's going to be a, a kind of a, a day-by-day thing where you know it just seems like with everything in the year 2020, it's 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 a learning learning experience every day, and and it, it, to me, it just seems like it's like March Madness on steroids, obviously with professional basketball. 
um, you know, just the, just you have have drama just in the playoff round itself. Um, obviously, the, the teams like you said who are borderline uh, the eighth seed gonna have to go up against teams who who are having gonna have a chip on their shoulders. It gives teams uh, who, but by the time you know when the NBA season got suspended, we kind of understood who what teams were real teams, real contenders, or you know, real playoff teams, and then what teams were kind of, you know, not as good. So I think we were far enough into the season to where we understood who was good and who was not. Um, I like how they kind of expanded it a little bit. I love how they – they obviously the Western Conference over years has been the stronger conference, so that's why we're seeing, you know, a little bit more Western Conference teams than Eastern Conference teams. But um, I, 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 I love the idea. I think, obviously, they've been talking – behind closed doors for a long time about the best possible way um, they could bring the season back and, and you know, make it um, fun for the fans, is, is uh, fair to the players and the teams who, who have earned the right to play in it, uh, keep it as fair as possible, and um, find a way to just end the season and get through the season and, and just get basketball back um, for people to, to enjoy um, because a lot of us have kind of just been sitting around and, and, uh, you know, focusing on other things. And I'm not saying that the things we are focusing on aren't important, but it will be nice to kind of have, you know, an outlet to where we could turn on the TV, forget about things for a little bit, and, and watch watch entertaining sports. And, and obviously you and I and people listening love sports. That's why we're, we're here. And um, it's going to be really, really fun to see. Um, yeah, there's going to be an asterisk on, on maybe this championship, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's fair game for everybody. Um, if you are lower seed – you know, yes, you have to win a couple more games, but I mean, I feel like that's fair. Everyone's going to be playing in the same the same spots. Everyone's going to be playing without, you know, a, a full arena in front of them. Um, so there is an asterisk, but at the same time, you know, everyone has has, has to go and play the game. So um, if you win the championship this year, I feel like you have earned it. You're going to earn it. You're going to be you still have to play the games. Um, so you get you should be proud. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of very you know competitive games. Players are still going to be out there, you know, competing as hard as they can. It's going to be interesting to see who comes back in, in semi-good shape, who's been using their time wisely. I think that's where you might see a little bit of disadvantage between teams. Which teams' players have, have, have used this time trying to stay in as best shape as they possibly can. Now, basketball shape is a whole different monster, and it, you can't really get into basketball shape unless you're actually playing the sport. But you couldn't do yourself, a, uh, do yourself good by coming in with – or being in good shape. You know LeBron's been in the gym. He's been working out this whole time. He's been prepping. But what players have been also following that lead, and what players have been sitting at home playing Call of Duty? I mean, we're going to see. Um, and, I mean, I hope players were taking this serious, thinking, you know, preparing for the season to come back. And I hope, you know, obviously the eight games is going to mean a lot, and it's going to help. But it's just going to be interesting to see where players are at. It, players are going to be rusty. You know, it, it might look a little bit like preseason for a little bit, but – um, hopefully by the time we get into those really meaningful games that everyone will be in as best shape as they can and is as best prepared as they can for the situation. Put a pin in that, Jake, because I do want to get to what you just said here. I want to lay down a couple of the other ground rules that the NBA is going to go with, but I do want to circle back to what you said here before we hit the break. Uh, so a few other guidelines, what have you, would be that players and coaches who do go to Orlando, they're allowed to go to public restaurants as long as they practice social distancing, and they're allowed to go golfing. So those are pretty much the two guidelines as far as your time outside of Orlando. They're going to play games kind of like on a summer league schedule, which I'm excited about, at least for the uh, rest of the regular season. They're going to play basically noon to midnight and just have basketball on all day. And then maybe three, four games, something a day for the early rounds of the playoffs, and then it'll be more traditional once you get to the later rounds, one, two games a day, something like that. But I want to go back to what you said, Jake, about players staying in shape because facilities are starting to open up again. You know, a lot of these guys, you imagine after this almost three months now, have got to be in maybe the worst physical shape of their athletic careers unless they have access to a home gym, stuff like that. Uh, and I know this was a concern on the NHL side for the Boston Bruins specifically because they were a team poised for a cup run, that they looked really darn good and looked like they could repeat as Eastern Conference champions. And they're a veteran team, and they said, oh, we don't feel like we're 
a cup contender anymore because we've got such you know seasoned veterans on this team that it's harder for us to try to get back in shape after being locked out for you know this long is there any nba team that's like that like in your opinion is there a veteran nba team that it was contending or you know is going to be hurt by this more than a you know a traditional team i mean boston obviously is a very youthful team i I think they're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum but i don't know could a team like uh milwaukee who's got some role players that are you know starting to get up there obviously Giannis and middleton are the focal points uh lebron you know you know he's going to stay in shape no matter what the situation is around him but he's got some aging veterans around him is there any nba team that uh could be you know having their title chances impacted because they're so veteran they're so seasoned it's going to be tougher for them to get back into basketball shape yeah you know i'm just trying to rack my brain right now and just think of maybe teams who have who have made you know playoff pushes for consecutive years and and you know have more more veterans on their their roster or, or rely more on veterans first thing that comes into my mind obviously is the, the lakers but at the same time you'd have to think that a guy like lebron james so he leads a team and and i don't know if i'm kyle kuzma i'm definitely staying in shape because uh, i don't want to go to our first practice you know 15 pounds overweight and have lebron look at me sideways and then have you know feelings towards me or anything like that. So I think LeBron probably just his mere presence and being on a roster with a guy like LeBron James, arguably the best player to ever play the game. Um, you know he's been. You, you see him on social media. If you're a teammate, you got to be watching his social media and seeing him in the gym, um, doing whatever he can to stay in shape. So that has to motivate you. So. It, w- it would have been interesting to see that San Antonio Spurs team, uh, from late, you know, early 2010s, uh, late 2000s, who were relying on, you know, really aging veterans, you know, towards Tim Duncan's career, uh, towards the end of his career, like a Monte Ginobili or, or a team like that. But is there a team that kind of mirrors what that San Antonio team was for so many years where you, they were relying on so many aging veterans? I think every team is kind of balanced. I think... The, the blueprint to a good, solid playoff team is having some youth and having some experience mixed in. Yes, it's going to be harder for some players who have who have obviously aged a little bit and, and don't have the youthful bodies and the, the bounce-back ability. But I think, I mean, even even with, like, Milwaukee, the main guy is Giannis. Giannis is a freak. I'm, I'm sure the dude is still in pretty decent shape. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think of anyone. Chris Middleton still fairly young. Um the Clippers, Kawhi's young. Paul George is he's aging, but I'm, I'm I'm I don't think Paul George would let himself fall out of shape. You can't be an elite player like that, um, and and not have that mindset of always trying to work and get better. So um, it's tough, man. I can't really think of a team right off the top of my head. Um, you know, even in the East, Joel Joel Embiid's fairly young. Ben Simmons is a young young guy. Um, shoot, man, that's tough. That's a good question. I I can't really think of anybody. Um, just off the top of my head, who is really, really going to hurt. There are going to be players, specific players, that it might take them a little bit uh, longer to bounce back, but I don't think it's going to directly affect the team as, you know, that will be like a very, very big issue, is, is if that makes any sense. Tanner, who's Jake Durant with you on ESPN-UP? Let's take our first break. When we come back, the NBA is trying to compensate teams who earned home court advantage in the playoffs. How could they do so? Well, Jake and I will kick a few things off the wall, and maybe they stick. Next on ESPN-UP. MBank offers sophisticated banking solutions to support your business. When you bank with MBank, we support you every step of the way, combining big bank resources with personal service and quick local decision-making that moves at the speed your business moves. MBank has helped a wide range of small to mid-sized businesses achieve success. Our experienced team makes it easy and convenient to help you grow. Let MBank design a personalized plan for your business's unique needs. MBank, community-focused, client-driven. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoops.
eight teams that earned home court advantage in the playoffs, and they're not going to get that because the entire tournament is going to be played at a neutral site, and I guess kind of except for the Magic. But how can they compensate those teams that had really good regular seasons, the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, and so forth? How do they go about compensating those teams? And, Jake, some of the proposals that the NBA has kicked around, again, they're out there, they're goofy, but – that you know what embrace the asterisk it is an asterisk year so a few of the proposals i saw one of them is that you know and i kind of like this one only because of this is an asterisk year i would hate it normally is that the higher seeded team gets to pick one player that gets an extra foul every game like they get seven (laughs) fouls instead of six and that's you know there's actual strategy that goes into it like who's more valuable to us who you know has more fouls per minutes on on the floor and everything like there's actual strategy that goes into that so i might be okay with that and then there's some really oddball some really corny ones like uh they are kicking around the possibility of teams actually being able to take apart their home floor and have it shipped all the way down to orlando and then they would re-put the floor down uh at the walt disney world center so the bucks could it take apart the Pfizer foreign floor piece by piece and they'd reassemble it in Orlando like it kind of gets wacky there I saw uh, the higher seeded team gets the ball to start the second third and fourth quarter after the opening tip they get that extra possession automatically there's some wacky ones there's some you know interesting ones gimmicks obviously but you know this is kind of a gimmick year in a sense that it makes it permissible for me. Have you seen anything that you like out of the NBA proposal? Is there anything that you think would be, you know, kind of cool that you'd come across? Um, you know, I, I, I don't mind what you just said with uh, the extra foul for one player. I'm okay with e- even the whole getting the ball at the end or the start of certain quarters and things like that. I think the, the floor one is just kind of just way too – I think that's just too ridiculous. Like, how much of an advantage is that really going to give a team? I don't, I don't really know. Um, man, I don't know. I, I'm under the impression that you know, I, I understand that the teams who ended the season or who ended that first part of the season on top um, should get some sort of an advantage. I understand that they they worked hard, they got to where they were. But at the same time, if you're a, a team who actually feels like you're a championship team, that you have what it takes to win a championship. Um, and, 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 and it's your year and you have the talent and, and you have that championship mindset, I don't see why you would even need a, a home field advantage. If you feel like you're the best team in the NBA, go to a neutral site. You're going to a neutral site where it's even for everybody. You should feel very confident in your abilities to beat whoever it is you're going to play, your opponent, and you should still feel very good that you're going to be able to you know, win an NBA championship. Might it be a little bit harder than if you were in front of tens of thousands of your screaming fans uh, in your home court on a, on any regular season? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, that that is is uh, something to be argued. But but um, I don't know, man. Maybe you could pump in artificial music for when you know, somebody has the ball or something like that to make communication harder or something. Um, shoot, I don't really know, man. I, I don't really know how you could come up with something to where it's like. You're doing enough to give someone an advantage, but you're also not taking away from the game itself. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like the NCAA tournament in that sense. You know, those the one seeds don't get a home court advantage over the 16 seeds. It's like, right. how do you make this something that is presentable, that represents the NBA, the highest level of basketball in the world, without turning it into too much of a gimmick? By the way, one other thing the NBA is seriously mulling around is that they will allow the best record and so forth down to the 22 teams to get a pick, their hotels, their team hotels where they stay. And I'm like, is there okay, really that's a, fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, yeah, it's is, kind of is there, is there enough diversity amongst hotels in Orlando? Like, is it going to be <laughs> – are you going to tell me that there's not enough Hiltons or, you know, the, the Marriott's or whatever, the big hotels there that, you know, eventually somebody, if they have the worst record – I don't know who has the worst record of that group that's coming there um, – is going to have to, like, stay in this, you know, Motel 6 or whatever? I, <laughs> I don't I Yeah, don't know. I mean, that's – I don't know. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? Uh, the, the players or teams with the lower seeds? Are you gonna turn on their fire alarms at five in the morning every <laughs> night so they don't get a decent night's sleep to kind of give them a disadvantage? Like I don't really know what you what you're gonna be able to do without destroying the integrity of what what the game is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you, it's still it's bits basketball. So um, I don't know if I'm like I don't see 
like LeBron James sitting at home right now, worried about, you know, oh man, this is this is terrible. Like we, this is this isn't fair. I see LeBron James saying, we know who we are, we know we're a championship team. We had proven it all season. We're not going to let, you know, a change in sight destroy what our mission is, and that's ultimately a championship. LeBron's going to go down there and say, listen, back this. We're, we're you know, we have a clear slate. We know who we are. We are a championship team. We have the talent to get it done. None of this is going to matter. We're going to go on the floor. We're going to play our game, and we're going to win, and we're going to win a championship game. We're going to win a championship, and, and that's that's the bottom line. We're not going to let anything, any outside thing, destroy our mission, destroy our focus, and that's winning a championship game or winning a championship uh, this season. And no matter how we got to do it, we're going to get it done. Um, you know, So that's just how I feel. Um, I, but I understand, you know, they do deserve some sort of comp- compensation for having a good season and putting in the work. So I don't really know. I, d- I don't think you have to go. Um, I don't think anything should happen. I don't know. The hotel thing is kind of crazy to me. I don't really know how that really helps. Like, yeah, so is the team going to stay in some fancy hotel and then the eighth seed sit sit in like a Motel 6? I don't really know. No offense to Motel 6. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's a weird situation. Well, and it's like, if you do get one of those gimmicks where you get to pick a player who gets an extra foul on your team, I mean, do you even want to win that way? Like if you're LeBron James, as competitive as you are, uh, if you, you know, if your team does decide to go that route, but then like Kawhi Leonard says, no, we're not going to win like that. I mean, does that almost look like a sign of weakness? I mean, I just can't see any of these guys as competitive as they are actually going for that. Yeah, I mean, have we seen any players come out and demand that they get an advantage yet? Yeah. Have we? Has has any a prominent player call it and say this isn't fair? Right. This isn't. I mean, it's, it's still very early in in the announcement of the NBA coming back. But um, who wants? Who would want to be that first player to come out in in public and say, "Oh, this isn't fair. We deserve to have an advantage somehow." You know, th- you know, because I I feel like like I said, like I just said, I feel like that would show kind of like a weakness. Like do, that would show like, oh, we need an advantage to win. When in in our hearts and hearts, if I feel like I'm a championship and I'm on a championship team, let's go down there. Everything's equal. Let's take care of business and let's bring home a championship. That's how I feel. You know, and it's like, what if it got to the point where, you know, you're talking about how do you compensate these teams? And, you know, it, it just if you wanted to make really good, competitive, compelling TV you almost want to give the advantage to the lower seed. Like, <laughs> that would actually make better basketball, I feel like. Yeah, you can argue that, that that whole thought process as well. Exactly. Let's make it um, even more even on, on the court. Let's let's try to find a way to, you know, like you said, give the lower seed a, a bit of an advantage to make things a little bit more um, competitive. You could also think of it that way. Um, I, th- I say you just kind of go out, you go down there, try to make it as equal and neutral as possible and just let things play out. And if a team has an issue with it, if, say, a, a higher seed gets knocked out, now they want to go start complaining that it wasn't fair, et cetera, et cetera. And then so be it. Then you put the asterisk next to the season, I guess. But um, in my mind, if everything's fair game to every team and every team has a clear slate and it's equal, uh, I feel like the championship is well-deserved, whoever wins it. So I just want to go see how things play out. I'm really, really happy in bringing up the point, like you said, about it being kind of a summer league or NCAA tournament uh, feel where they're playing games throughout the day because those are the best times like mm-hmm. March Madness when there's games at noon one o'clock to be able to wake up and know that there's going to be a game happening in just a few hours and then be able to just kind of tune in throughout the whole day that is like one of the happiest times in in my years so to have to be able to say you know mid, mid-August you can wake up and there's going to be basketball being played all day I mean that's that's going to be so awesome I, so fun. I tell you what, um, if they wanted to keep going that route about like the player foul thing, which is just fascinating to me, what if they did it the other way, where it's like the higher seeded team gets to pick somebody from the opponent who gets five fouls instead of six, so he gets a you know a foul that would be permissible taken away from him. Like let's say the Clippers and the Lakers do meet up in the Western Conference Final, the Lakers would have that advantage as the higher seed, and you could take away a foul from one designated player before the game. Who would you pick, Jake? Would you rather? take that extra foul away from Kawhi or from Paul George? It'd be tough, man. I think you'd have to take it away from Kawhi just because I think he's the more talented player. 
Um, obviously, you can attack him early. He's, he's a very both players are really good defenders, and I think both players do a well, a very well, a good job not fouling as much for for how aggressive of defense they play. But you're talking about that could be huge if you say, "Hey, I want to take a, a foul away from Anthony Davis, who is a rim protector, and you know he's a, a enforcer down low." Or, "Hey, Giannis has known to, been known to get into foul trouble, so every team is going to be like, "Hey, let's take a foul away from Giannis because." You know, at times he can kind of play out of control and get frustrated, and you and because he's so big, you know, he sometimes goes in and draws offensive fouls and things like that. That could be a huge problem for Milwaukee. So I guess the more and more I think about it, that would be kind of interesting to see because, yeah, like you said, you could definitely uh, strategize a game plan about attacking players and getting players into foul trouble because, I mean, one foul for people who don't really watch basketball, that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. So, yeah, that's very interesting to think about. I would obviously go for players who obviously make the biggest difference, whether it be someone of a, a big who does a good job protecting the rim and things like that. I would aim for players like that or, you know, stars like a Giannis. Um, even LeBron. LeBron has been known to drive in sometimes and draw offensive fouls and things like that. If you can if you can get LeBron into foul trouble early, I mean, that's going to be huge for an opponent. That's going to be absolutely huge. So um, that the more and more I think about it, maybe that could be a way. Um, to kind of, I guess, change the game up a little bit and give a give certain side an advantage. Tanner Hoopstake Durant with you on ESPN-UP. The NBA is back. They will return to play on July 31st. Let's take our next time out. When we come back, we'll play Breakout or Fake Out, Running Backs and Wide Receiver Editions to finish out the show. Next on ESPN-UP. Lawns and gardens grow better on topsoil than on rocks. Ishpeming Concrete is now open for you to get your planting season started. Get a half yard of topsoil gently loaded into your pickup truck for just 18 bucks. That's a whole lot less than the 20 bags you'd need from the home store. Sweeten up your plantings and fix your lawn from the ravages of winter. Topsoil, the softer side of Ishpeming Concrete. 400 Stone Street behind Robbins Flooring. Open weekdays 8 till 4.30. Locally owned with a total commitment to quality. There's no contact paying with a credit card and you don't need to leave your vehicle. Now open Saturdays 7 to noon. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. collective bargaining agreement that clears away for a postseason tournament in Orlando this summer. Two Oklahoma State football players have tested positive for COVID-19. Both players were tested after attending a racial justice rally in Tulsa. And finally, Spanish adult film star Nacho Vidal has been arrested for manslaughter following a man's death caused by a mystic ritual in which he inhaled psychedelic toad venom. I guarantee you, Jake, there is no headline that will grab your attention or be a more interesting read than that, probably for the rest of 2020. As weird as this year has been. As weird as this year has been, that one was kind of surprising. Uh, obviously, headlines are everything, but that headline kind of wrote itself. You don't even have to think about it. Um, you know, that, that right there is, is the definition of, you know, click, click now. Um, I saw that article. I saw it yesterday floating around Twitter. I did read it. That guy sounded very interesting. Unfortunately, um, I, I would tell anybody listening to just not do toad venom um not off personal experience but um anything like that I, I just don't do drugs in general um you know bad things happen to you when you're when you're doing stuff like that so yeah i saw that i i giggled i'm not gonna lie i know it's a serious thing um somebody was killed but i mean i had a, i had a laugh just a little bit i'm sorry i'm sorry people don't hate me I tell you what, um, we have been playing breakout or fake out this week here in the sports pen. A couple of days ago, we did so with quarterbacks, NFL quarterbacks who, you know, they're coming into a lot of those guys. It was their sophomore season, technically their second full year of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. How about we'll tweak it a little bit. Some guys who had breakout years last year at the running back and wide receiver positions. Will they continue with their strong spurt? or are they guys that you should avoid in your fantasy football league? Jake and I will have some discussions from a list I have in front of me. Jake, let's start with the running backs here for this segment. Give me your thoughts on whether this guy will continue his breakout or will he be a fakeout for the upcoming season? We'll start with Kenyon Drake. He took over for an injured David Johnson in Arizona. Did really well, and in a sense, he forced David Johnson back before he was fully healed, and that 
pretty much cost Johnson his time in Arizona. Kenyon Drake had a really strong second half of the year last year since becoming the full-time starter. Does he continue that this year with the addition to uh, the offense in DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, that was going to be my, my main point. I do think, you know, Kenyon Drake, he doesn't get enough credit. I think he's definitely underrated. Um, he's been just a consistent, solid running back. No, he's not the flashiest, um, you know, and he's not in the, the media saying crazy things or anything like that to bring attention to himself. But you know what you're going to get from Kenyon Drake when he's when he's healthy and he's on the field? Um, he's going to run hard. He's going to run hard and he's going to make a difference. And um, like you brought up, they added DeAndre Hopkins. Um, they still got Larry Fitz there. You got Kyler Murray, who's a triple threat. He can, you know, he could do do it all basically. I think he's poised for, you know, a a really good sophomore season. So, um, with all the attention needing to be put on, obviously containing Kyler Murray, who can run the ball as well himself, um, and uh, and and taking, you know, you got Larry Fitzgerald. You got. Uh, like like I said, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk is an underrated receiver. Uh, and, uh, Isabella is a really good slot receiver there. I think it's it's set up for Kenyon Drake to have a good season. So I think uh, he would be a solid pickup in fantasy. Is he going to be one of the top running backs you want to pick up? No, but I think he will continue um, being a pretty big part of that that offense there in Arizona. So I think he's gonna he's gonna set himself up this year for a, for a pretty solid year. Yeah, it's going to be a pass-heavy offense, especially with Cliff Kingsbury there. But you know you're going to get good productivity out of Johnson. I do think he's going to continue to have a solid season, although you're right. In fantasy, he's not going to see a whole heck of a lot of carries. Uh, but when, when he does, you know that you're going to get something good out of him. So the ruling, the verdict is breakout. How about Austin Eckler, Jake, a guy that we, you know, we talked about before here on the show, just got his contract. He's one of the better pass-catching backs in the league, and he's got a big, strong body, a fullback-type body. A really good year last year taking over from Melvin Gordon. Now he's going to have a new quarterback under center. What do we think of Austin Eckler for the upcoming season? I really do like Austin Eckler's game. Uh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, he can hurt hurt people in the run game. He's just a really good all-around back. I think we discussed Eckler a, a few weeks back, and, you know, he's just one of my favorite. He's just productive. Anytime he's on the field, um, the ball seems to find him, and, uh, you know, the Chargers like to use him in multiple ways. Now you're talking about Phillip Rivers is gone, so now you're going to be relying on Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. I think Herbert's going to take the reins of that Chargers offense sooner rather than later, and um, they're going to look at Eckler to take pressure off of Herbert. So I think uh, Eckler is going to be a main focal point in that offense. They obviously they got some good receivers who are going to help, um, but just the re this is the fact that uh, he's used so much in that passing game. Um, the ball is going to go to him a lot in multiple ways. So um, I'm going to say I'm going to say breakout for this for uh, Austin Eckler. I tell you what, Jake, this one here I I know what you're probably going to say, and uh, to take away the hometown bias of Aaron Jones I'm going to go out and say I do believe it's going to be a continuation of last year's breakout season for him yeah um I I, I honestly hope so I really do uh, obviously but um Aaron Jones man uh obviously coming out of UTEP he was a he was a name that not many people knew about personally myself I didn't really know too much about him but um, you saw it happen, especially last year when Devontae Adams went down. Um, the Packers really needed someone to step up and be that threat and be that scoring threat and, and that big play guy. And Aaron Jones just continued to gain confidence throughout the season. Um, obviously, it was his season was stamped by that performance there in Dallas where he scored four touchdowns in one game. And, and um, you know, not only that, after that, he continued to be pretty productive, even when teams um, started to kind of realize uh, he was that main focal point of the Packers offense so um maybe it's a Packers bias but I do think Aaron Jones is the real deal um eight, they drafted a guy named AJ Dillon who's going to only help Aaron or uh yeah Aaron Jones because now they're going to be able to use Jones in multiple ways to where they could potentially get him the ball whether it be split him out and throw him that screen pass or or things like that just take pressure off him a little bit um you know so I see that as a positive rather than a negative, bringing in a running back high like that. So I'm going to say Aaron Jones has a breakout year as well. This is an interesting one, Jake, because Josh Jacobs had a really good rookie season last year. And he, uh, I do think he's going to continue to be as talented as he was last year, but it's going to be a much different Oakland team. His offense surrounding him is going to look a lot different because they obviously drafted Henry Ruggs high. They bring in guys like Nelson Aguilar, Lynn Bowden, Jason Witten. I mean, it, it, those guys are all 
you know, good additions for this team, but they're going to take carries away from Jacobs. I think he's going to have the talent there, but will the numbers be as impressive as they were last year? Like, this one's kind of an interesting one for me. Yeah, I feel like this one this one could go either way because you're talking about, like you said, adding just a lot of weapons through the air. Um, and that kind of points to where John Gruden kind of wants to maybe start airing it out a little bit more. He brought in guys with speed because I know Gruden likes to set up those big plays, big passes down the field. Um, it's, it's football, so you're going to have to establish the running game. You're going to have to feed Jacobs. But are they going to be patient enough to stick with that if it doesn't work? I don't really know, especially when you have all those shiny new toys on the outside. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how John Gruden kind of balances the offense and works through that. Um, if I had to put my money on it, I'd say Josh Jacobs takes a step back. Not a huge step back, but I would say maybe he takes a little bit of a step back this year. Is that because of, you know, I think he's got the talent there, but is it a talent issue for you, or is it that there's going to be so many guys there, there's not going to be enough footballs to go around? Listen, I think he's a very um, I don't take anything away from that. I think it's just going to be the game plan is going to switch up just off personnel. Um, So I just don't know if he's going to have as much of an opportunity. Um, Because last year, I mean, they didn't have too much in the passing game. Um, they relied on him heavily. So um, I think this year it's just going to be um, not as many opportunities for Jacob. I still think he's a really good back. Don't, I don't want to take anything away from that. I just think um, they're going to be game planning a little different, and I think the personnel's going to lead to him having, you know, not, like I said, it's not going to be a huge drop-off, just, just not as big of the numbers as you saw. How about Kansas City? Let's go to the Super Bowl champions where they had a crowded backfield last year that included Shady, LaShawn McCoy, and then a lot of guys we didn't know, including Damian Williams, who had a pretty good year for the Super Bowl champions. Uh, They kind of went with that rotating backfield that worked really well for both teams that made the Super Bowl. But now you bring in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They drafted him with the last pick of the first round this year, a guy who just won a national championship with LSU. Do we expect Damian Williams to continue to carve out a name for himself out there in the Kansas City backfield? Or what do you think, Jake? What's the expectation for you this year? You know, I was a lot higher on Damian Williams entering last season. I got a lot of flack for one of my leagues. Um, It was an in-person league, so we were all hanging out. Um, And I took Damian Williams as one of my one or two first running backs, and I took a lot of slack. Um, Early on, he did very well. I know he dealt with injuries. They brought in LaShawn McCoy um, later on in the season, and obviously in the Super Bowl, he kind of got his revenge there a little bit. Um, It's tough with Kansas City because they have just so many weapons. Um, Anyone can really hurt you in any given day, and now you have a really crowded backfield, including the first running back taken off the board in last year's draft. So um, we could potentially see Damian Williams be the focal point in that backfield one week and then not see the not see the ball at all or very few the next week. So Kansas City, they're just kind of there's there's too much going on there, um, too many pieces and um, you know just too many routes that they can take to win football games. That I would not put my money on Damian Williams having um, as much of like let's just put it this way. I'm not taking Damian Williams with one of my first one or two picks. Um, at running back this season in fantasy there's just a lot going on there and um, like I said there's just only one ball you can't really spread it around as much as you'd like so um, I just feel like with with uh, Clyde Edwards uh, Edwards Hilaire coming in they're going to want to get him the ball they're going to want to show that they they picked him for a reason I just don't trust it how about a few other guys here before we hit the break including Ronald Jones with Tampa Bay. I mean, he's an okay running back. He was behind a really shaky offensive line and in a pass-heavy offense. I I don't know if Tom decides to rely on him a little bit more with a lot of the weapons he has, but, you know, tight ends and running backs tend to be best friends to an aging quarterback. How about Ronald Jones, including an improved offensive line blocking for him? Yeah, Ronald Jones. I don't know too much about Ronald Jones. I remember watching him at USC. Um, and he was he was pretty explosive. I, I, he, I remember watching him and thinking, man, he looks like Jamal Charles to me a little bit. Um, down there in, in, in Tampa, I haven't really been honestly paying attention to Tampa at all. I mean, do you blame me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't really know uh, how Bruce Arians likes to use his running backs or anything like that. Obviously, with Tom Brady, you're going to try to bring a lot of similar things he did in New England to to uh, Tom, but without changing your game plan when you're talking about Arians uh, and the way he likes to air it out and, and throw the ball around. Um, this one's tough, man. This one's tough because there's that team's just so different than it was last year. I guess if I had to put my money on it, I'd, I'd say he doesn't have as strong of a year. How about Chicago here? Because David Montgomery 
when he got the carries, he looked pretty darn good. He looked like he was a good enough NFL running back. The problem was Matt Nagy wants Mitch Trubisky to pass the ball 50 times a game, and it's just not a formula for success. It's just not going to work over there in Chicago. But David Montgomery, you give him the football, you, you actually feed him the rock, there's talent there. I'm just I'm starting to wonder, will he ever get the chance to prove it in Chicago with Mitch Trubisky and now Nick Foles, another pass-heavy quarterback coming in? Right. Um, this one, I don't know, man. I just don't trust Matt Nagy. It seems like whenever things start working there in Chicago, Nagy will do completely the opposite. <laughs> like, yeah, it's working. Do something completely different. Uh, obviously, they, they've been dealing with this thing where they trade up to get Mitch Trubisky. There's been a lot of negative publicity around him. It was a bust. And I think Matt Nagy's been kind of pressured to kind of prove everyone wrong. And that's why he puts so much in Mitch Trubisky's hands. I think it's, I think people are starting to realize maybe Mitch isn't the answer, and, and they're kind of owning up to their mistake there, bringing in, bring in Nick Foles. Um, I think they're just kind of preparing to, to let Mitch walk and just kind of, you know, kind of count their losses there. Um, so hopefully they kind of give their running backs a little bit more of a, an opportunity to to be productive. Um, I just don't trust Matt Nagy. I don't trust Matt Nagy. Um, it's whenever the Chicago Bears seem to be going in the right direction, something happens to where the momentum is stopped. Um, they still got a pretty solid defense. They got players who can play, but um, until they figure out figure out an offensive identity, maybe Nick Foles is the answer. He can come in and bring some leadership, and, and he obviously brings in that experience, but um, it's tough, man. Matt Nagy's just a coach where you just you watch their games and you're like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> what are you doing? You, you know, anyone watching at home knows what they should be doing, but for some reason, he just likes to, I don't know, do the opposite, go against the grain, I guess, so um, I don't trust Chicago at all, and it's not – I don't trust David Montgomery. He runs hard. Um, he was a very nice find by Chicago. It's just that whole system they got going on there in Chicago I don't trust. So I, I don't trust – I don't trust it. I don't trust – I don't think he has a productive year – well, as productive as, as one would like. Uh, last one here on running backs, Jake. Raheem Mostert, he obviously had his breakout. It's kind of a coming-out party in the NFC Championship game last year. Now he's in that system without Matt Breida, you know, and San Fran has found success getting the most out of a very uh, running backs with very low name recognition, let's put it that way. And Mostert did what he needed to throughout the season. Obviously, the breakout game was the NFC Championship, but what do we think of Raheem Mostert going forward uh, this season without Matt Breida? You know, just hearing the name Mostert is just giving me mad anxiety right now. I'm not going to lie. I still have nightmares about that NFC Championship game. Uh, I don't know, man. He's he's in the perfect system. Uh, the That offensive line there is no joke. They know how to block. Uh, Kyle Shanahan does a great job of keeping defenses on their toes, and and um, they just know – they stick stick to their system and know what they're good at and know who they are. So I expect I expect him to have as good of a of year, if not better. I mean – that's the identity of the team. You pound the ball, you pound the rock, um, and it wears defenses down. And then, you know, if you find a little bit of success on the ground, then they hit you up over the top, you know, with that play action. Or if they find some success in the air, they do a good job of, of mixing in a little bit of a run to keep the defense off balance. And, and it's chunk plays. It's not You're not seeing them hit, you know, one, two yards, three yards here and there. When they, they get it going, when they get that running game going, you're seeing massive chunk, chunk plays. I mean, as a Packer fan, I saw way too many of those plays to where, you know, you, you run it once here, it doesn't do too good, run it again, a, a little bit more, you know, positive yards for the most part, and then they hit you with that 25, 30-yard run, um, and, it, and it's, it's demoralizing to defenses. So I expect uh, San Francisco to continue doing what they do, and I expect Mostert to have – uh, a really good year. A really good year, especially when, like you said, Breed is gone. So I expect Mostert to carry the torch there. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you on ESPN UP. Let's take our last time out. We'll have the wide receiver edition breakout or fake out next on ESPN UP. We've invented a new messaging system using the crisp sounds of Bud Light. Crisp code. Lesson 42. This is how you say happy hour. It's happy hour. Let's go get some Bud Lights. That's it for today. Brewed with no corn syrup. Bud Light. Crisp. Enjoy responsibly. Bud Light Beer. Anheuser-Busch. St. Louis, Missouri. 
Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoot. Like he was last year. 
Right, right. Yeah, um, he's that type of receiver where, you know, his route running isn't sh- is sharp. Like you said, he's not the most agile. He's not the fastest guy. Um, like you said, like you just highlighted, he's a good 50-50 ball wide receiver now. You could argue that they have enough weapons on that offensive side of the ball where he's going to be left in a lot of one-on-one situations. And if he's that good jump ball type of receiver at any point, any ball could be thrown. They could just send him down the field and, and get the ball thrown up to him. He's kind of like a DK Metcalf right now. Um, then you could argue maybe he, he continues his streak, but, you know, he's not going to catch anyone off guard or anything like that. Um, now that, you know, off or other teams' uh, defenses know who he is. So, uh, yeah, man, I think it's going to be a fake-out. I honestly think it's going to be a fake-out. Um, anytime you, you're kind of a one-trick pony, um, just a deep threat like that, but you don't do it off speed. You kind of just do it off mus- out-muscling players and, and defenders. Um, it's tough to kind of to back that and be confident in that. So I'm going to say uh, fake out with you. Especially with a new quarterback being there. New quarterback, yeah. You know, probably don't have the arm that Phillip Rivers did. How about, this is a really interesting case, Jake. Michael Gallup of the Dallas Cowboys. He's starting to look like a guy who could be a number one receiver somewhere. Obviously, he's playing alongside Amari Cooper. But he looks like a guy who's a potential number one playing in a Robin role to Amari Cooper's Batman. You think Michael Gallup continues with his breakout for the Cowboys? Man, as much as it hurts me to say it, uh, I know, you know, Dak Prescott has to get his situation figured out and things like that, but that Dallas Cowboys offense with the addition of C.D. Lamb as well, um, now you have three potential number one receivers on a team with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, an ascending quarterback, um, who's just entering his prime? A pretty, still a pretty solid offensive line. I mean, that offense there in Dallas is absolutely scary. It hurts me, it pains me to say, because I'm, I'm just not a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. But um, I think Michael Dallas is the truth. I yeah. think he's the truth. And and there was uh, rumblings that the Cowboys were going to trade Michael Gallup for uh, uh, Jamal Adams. And um, I was looking at Cowboys Twitter, and their fans were going absolutely bonkers, <laughs> saying, "How dare you try to?" try to trade Michael Gallup like if, if you want Michael Gallup then we don't want anything to do with this trade and that just goes to show where you know Cowboys fans hold him um, you know at, hold his value to the team I think he's very valuable to the team and I think he's only going to get better yet like I said he has all the tools he's fast um, he's physical uh, you know he can do it all so and it's only going to help him that now that those defenses are going to have to also guard Amari Cooper, who can pretty much do it all, and it's one of the best route runners. And now you got C.D. Lamb, who arguably could be the best receiver in this year's draft. So um, I guess the only thing you can argue is there's just not enough balls to go around, but I think Michael Gallup's going to have a great year. I'm with you, especially with a prove-me year for his quarterback. How about A.J. Brown, a guy who looked really, really good in the final weeks of the regular season last year for the Tennessee Titans? Tannehill did get his money. And I don't know, it, it, he's he's pretty efficient, but can he replicate that after getting his contract? But especially in the last five or so games of the season last year, A.J. Brown looked like a really reliable number one, and that's something the Titans haven't had in, a, in quite a few years. I don't know, do you think A.J. Brown is for real? Man, I don't know if I'm feeling just optimistic today or something. I don't know if it's the sun, the nice weather, but I think A.J. Brown's going to have a, a breakout year. I mean, this guy... Um, he's he's extraordinarily fast for his size. I mean, if you've actually seen this guy, I don't know if you can remember the photo of him going around um, shirtless. Uh, you know, he's this guy's just jacked. I mean, to be on the Titans, he resembles an absolute Titan. Um, and at any point, if you know, he can just outmuscle people for the ball. He just box you out, and he can get the ball whenever he really wants. Um, and I just think he has physical tools that you can't, you know, and athletic tools you cannot. You can't just, you know, you can't game plan for it. You could do, you could be in perfect position, and he can just outmuscle you for the football. And uh, I think he's only going to get better. I think he's he's going to get more confidence. I know the team has uh, a lot of confidence in him. I know they they didn't extend Corey Davis um, at all, so I think they kind of know what they got in AJ Brown, and I think he's going to be that number one receiver there in Tennessee for years to come. So I have to think that they're going to game plan for him and uh, get him the ball. I have to, I'm not sitting for out year. Last one here, Jake, Chris Godwin. Now with Tampa Bay, uh, I'm sorry, with Tom Brady throwing to him in Tampa Bay, does he continue what he was doing alongside Mike Evans and now with Rob Gronkowski? Yeah, you know, I do. I do think so because you saw Tom Brady up in New England and um, 
they always had a guy on the outside who could definitely beat you beat you deep, um, and that would be uh, Mike Evelyn, equivalent down there in Tampa, Mike Evans, excuse me. And then you need that speedy guy that can hit you over the middle and and do it all for you for Tom Brady. That was you know maybe a Julian Edelman. Um, or something like that, and they're going to need that role to be filled. And uh, you know, Tom likes to spread it around. Um, and I wasn't, a, I wasn't really a huge fan of Chris Godwin there for a while until I actually opened my eyes to see just how good this guy was. You know, I knew he came out of Penn State, and I was just never really high on Penn State receivers. But this guy has shown, next to Mike Evans, he is the absolute truth. And and uh, I really like Chris Godwin, and I think having obviously having Tom Brady there is only going to help him. Um, having an experienced Super Bowl champion, you know, the GOAT throwing you the ball, and I think that will also give him more confidence. So I have to say, man, he's going to be open. He's going to be open. I, they're going to try to get him in the middle of the field, and he's one of those guys that if he can get the ball in his hands at any point, he can break a big one. So I'm going to have to say breakout year. Yep, yep, I agree. He's going to continue his stretch of strong play. That is breakout or fakeout we've been playing here in the sports pen over the week, talking about some guys who had really good years last year. Will they continue that for the upcoming season? With that, we're out of time, man. It's always good talking to you. I always appreciate you taking your time and coming on air with me. You doing anything over at Local 3? I know we're gearing up for the restart of Legion Baseball, hopefully here in a couple of weeks, but is there anything that's been going on that you know you'd want us to be aware of? Yeah, like you said, man, the baseball season's coming up. I'm glad we're going to get some local sports going on. Um, you know, we've been covering the MHSAA and, and their guidelines that are coming out. Um, you know, we've been trying to keep people informed on how that's going to go. Um, definitely going to be looking forward to getting to some practices later on. Um, just try to figure out how coaches and teams are working around the guidelines in itself. We're still doing our senior spotlights, so if you have a senior that you want to get on air and, and highlight their accomplishments, please send me info. Um, you know, go onto our web website to find out more info. You can email me, um, you know, a photo and some information. Um, and yeah, man, just looking forward to the start of national sports. Um, getting a little bit of summer sports in, and then uh, hopefully, you know, having a a any you know cl a close to normal possible fall season as we can. So, um, just like I said, man, this is a time we where you just take it day by day, and that's kind of what we're doing. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant, with you here at ESPN UP. I'm back on tomorrow, four Eastern, three Central. It's my hope you join me then. Until then, have a great rest of your Thursday. Get out, enjoy the sunshine if you can. For Jake Durant, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN UP WZAM Fishbombing Marquette.